you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 Hello, Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Vince, how the heck are you? Jeff, I'm good. We are through another week, uh, the first full week of spring training. And everyone's still alive and not super injured, so that's a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, couple nagging injuries, but nothing major, and so uh, definitely a good sign. Today we're going to talk about uh, a couple articles that came out with interviews with Andre Ethier and things he had to say, mostly about the Astro stuff. We'll touch on on both of those articles. And then we are going to answer the rest of the mailbag questions that you, the listeners, submitted for yesterday's show. We got so many good ones. We split them up into two episodes, we, so we have a lot of good ones left there. So it uh, should be a full pack show. Uh, so we'll jump right in as soon as I have reminded you to please subscribe to Locked on Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. We also want to let you know today's show is sponsored by Arizona Tourism. And as you know, the Dodgers have spring training in Arizona, in Glendale, at Camelback Ranch. Beautiful, beautiful stadium, beautiful complex. Uh, It's just, if you're a baseball fan, especially a Dodger fan, and you have not been to Camelback Ranch yet, you owe it to yourself to get there. Uh, There's plenty to do in Arizona. Concerts, breweries, restaurants, hiking, skydiving, whatever you want to do, you can do it. Most of the hotels and resorts there have pools. And the weather is beautiful for swimming in March. So uh, all the things you could ever want to do in March as a baseball fan or an outdoorsy person, you can do in Arizona. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring spring training. Let me say that again in case I fumbled it the first time. Visitarizona.com slash spring training. All right. Uh, So there were two articles, one by John Wiseman. Uh, an interview with Andre Ethier, and the other one by Dylan Hernandez. Uh, obviously, the John Wiseman article was better because John Wiseman is better than Dylan Hernandez. Uh, but they both kind of—they were both interviews with with Andre Ethier, and both kind of had different uh, different focuses. So let, let's let's talk first about the Wiseman one. Uh, probably only need to touch a little bit on the on the Dylan Hernandez one. But Vince, what were your thoughts as you were reading the John Wiseman article? Yeah, I mean, definitely not the route I would have thought an Ethier interview would have went. I mean, obviously he's not. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have a reason to not come out and bash the Astros and kind of you know be upset that his last game was Game Seven of the World Series in a World Series that's now tainted. Uh, but yeah, he brought up some really good points. Um, you know, he's one of the first ones I think that I've seen bring up the union and. You know, a lot of these players are talking about how the players weren't punished, the Astros players, but they haven't really addressed the other side. Well, or because their union is, uh, you know, 
it'd be hard to go after the players because of the union would have to stand up for those guys and then it would have became probably a, a bigger issue because they would have tried to go after him and it wouldn't have worked out uh but he said that you know he thought the union could have went the other way with it if mlb is not going to punish them you know why not stand up for the other four or five hundred players around the league rather than just the 25 on the Astros. and obviously that's not how unions work for the most part uh but that was an interesting take on it you know he didn't really seem too bitter about it, at least from what he said. Uh, you got to imagine he's a little bit bitter at the end of the day. Uh, but I think the biggest part was the, you know, he brought up integrity and count- accountability issue. And he said, you know, their excuse is that they thought everyone else was doing it. And he did, he took issue with that. If, if that's what, you, you know, he said, is that what you teach your kids? If everyone else does it, we're going to do it. Is that how you're going to live your life? So I think he brought in some really different perspectives uh, probably a little more nuanced because he was able to sit back and kind of think about it and he does have a little bit different perspective being out of the game uh, but those are the two points that that stood out to me the most yeah um you know obviously he, he did ca- try to take the high road um one quote that stood out to me he says do you feel cheated yes but screw that i can still beat these guys whether they're doing that or not that's the mentality i would take when i would go out there and play every day did it, did it affect at-bats? Yes. Did it affect games? Most likely. Do we know if that all added up to affect the entirety of a series? We'll never know. We'll never actually know until they actually come clean and say what the reason is. Uh, and, you know, my main thought was that he, maybe he took a little bit too much of the high road because uh, this and in the Dylan interview, both times he says that it affected games. Um, by affecting at bats, it affects games when there were so many, as as many close games as there were, uh, you know, if it affected at bats, it had to affect, affected games. And in a seven game series, if it affected even one game, it affected the series. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I respect Ethier for trying to take the, the high road like that. Uh, I do think, you know, whatever, whether it's the competitive side of him, whether it's, the locker room code, I don't know, he seemed not quite as willing as some of the other current players have been to to really come out and criticize him. Obviously, he he makes it clear that he doesn't approve of what they did. Um, but, uh, yeah, almost a little, I, I'm not sure what the word is I'm looking for, but, uh, like, I, I think my best guess is that it is his ultra-competitive side not wanting to be seen as making excuses for losing the world series. You know, it's like he said, you, you want to go out there and whatever they're doing, we can still beat them. Uh, but after the fact, you know, and he actually kind of says that in the Dylan Hernandez one, he says, uh, is it an excuse? Yeah. But is it a valid one? Oh, it might be, you know? And so that, that's kind of the way I see it. I think he's just trying to avoid looking like he's making excuses for losing. Yeah. I think the other part that kind of, bugged me about the Astros is that uh you know Ethier said after after all the games and and when they were back in LA and that the Astro players were kind of questioning the Dodgers asking you know what are you guys doing you guys are hitting the crap out of the ball the and he Ethier's like yeah that should have been smoke right there obviously they were doing something themselves and they probably felt we were and that just goes back to his other point where you know even if every other team in the big leagues was doing it uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily give the Astros the right to do it. And so far from what we've seen, there's only been one other investigation. So, uh, and even uh, Clayton Kershaw in a Tom Verducci article said that he, you know, flat out said that, you know, the Dodgers weren't doing that. The Astros took it to a different level with the live in-game stuff. 
and that's kind of what we've heard and and kind of seen all all, all off season ever since this first came out. So uh, it's just funny, you know, how cocky about it the Astros were, and then how they continued to question other teams when they were the ones that needed to be questioned. Yeah, and then you wonder how much the interviewer plays a role in these articles because uh, Wiseman is more of a statistically savvy guy than Dylan Hernandez. And in the Hernandez interview, Ethier brings up blaming it on analytics a couple times. Uh, According to Dylan, the first thing that Ethier wanted to say was this is all a byproduct of analytics. Uh, He said... How much should you allow front offices to really be be able to keep manipulating and changing the game? There's only so much they can get out of this analytical data that a human baseball player can actually go out and execute. Um, and kind of s- making the weird connection that other people have made. John Smoltz made it. Jared Weaver made it before he called me fat the other night on Twitter. Um, the By the way, I was fat the other night. I noticed that. Um, but, you know, this weird connection that analytics has anything to do with it. Uh, and I don't know if... You know, maybe Ethier made the same points to Wiseman and, and Wiseman just didn't put him in. Or maybe uh, Dylan egged him on. I don't know, but it, it was kind of interesting to me that that stuff showed up in Dylan's article, but not in, in John's article. Um, all right, I think that's enough of that, right? Yeah. All right, let's move into our Fantasy Minute sponsored by League Commish. Uh, each day we're going to talk about one Dodger player and just talk about whether we should expect uh, better or worse performance from them uh, in a fantasy sense for your fantasy baseball team than we got last year. And today I'm going to talk about the man, my favorite player, Clayton Kershaw. And uh, the interesting thing here is I expect Kershaw's actual performance to probably be pretty close to what it was last year, but I still think he might be a good pickup for you in your fantasy league because between what happened in the postseason and just the general perception that he is on the downhill side, I don't think he will be in high demand for your team. And so you may be able to pick him up later in your draft and get a lot more value for him than you would have in the past when he was the undisputed best pitcher in baseball. You know, a lot of it comes down, like we talked the other day, to how well that changeup works for him and how well his offseason conditioning works. We don't really know what Kershaw's going to be, but my guess is he won't be a super high draft pick in most of your leagues. And so you can pick him up a little bit later and get a lot of value for him, even though his stats I expect to be to be pretty similar to last year's. Uh, and that is your fantasy minute from League Commish. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less, or the makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports, and League Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as sign up with your preferences, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commission by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code LOCKEDON in the referred by section of the sign up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com and keep it locked on Dodgers. All right, it's time for our obscure former Dodger of the day, 
and uh, this one, Vince, this is a fun story. Um, you did a guy the other day who never actually played for the Dodgers because he played for, I believe it was the Brooklyn Superbas, right? Yeah, and the bridegrooms and the grooms. Yeah, so this one that I have today played for the Brooklyn Grays of the 1885 American Association, uh, but they were the precursor to the Dodgers. And uh, he pitched a grand total of one game for the Dodgers. Uh, it was a complete game. He, he started one game, pitched a complete game, uh, took the loss. His name was Phenomenal Smith. You ever heard mm-hmm. of Phenomenal Smith? No, but Phenomenal is one of my favorite words. Yeah, it's a phenomenal word. He was five foot six, uh, 161 pounds, left-handed pitcher, and uh, it was his second year in the big leagues, uh, or what passed for the big leagues back then. Uh, and he was pitching in on June 17th, 1885, made his start for the Brooklyn Grays, and uh, basically what we know is his teammates did not like him. Uh, and the the rumor has it that they didn't like him because uh, he had apparently given himself the nickname Phenomenal. His name was actually uh, John Francis Smith, and he just took it on himself to start saying, hey, call me Phenomenal. And as you might suspect, that rubbed some of his teammates the wrong way. And so in his one start for Brooklyn, um, I'll read you the newspaper account from the St. Louis Globe Democrat in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, on June 18th, 1885. It says, Browns 18, Brooklyn's 5. About 1,600 spectators witnessed the game between the St. Louis and Brooklyn clubs. The home nine put in a new pitcher named Smith, and although he pitched a good game, the other players refused to support him. That's the entire article. He allowed 18 runs. According to baseball reference, um... 11 of those runs were earned. According to the newspaper account, zero were earned. According to the newspaper account in this game that had 23 runs scored, there were only three earned runs total. And uh, this box score is pretty spectacular. Uh, It has the number of errors made by each player. Left fielder Smartwood for Brooklyn made two errors. First baseman Phillips, one error. Second baseman Pinckney, one error. Shortstop, Smith, not Phenomenal Smith. Germany Smith, seven errors. Catcher, Hayes, seven errors. Pitcher, Phenomenal Smith, ten errors. I don't know. I think back then, pass balls counted as errors against catcher, and wild pitches counted as errors against the the pitcher. Uh, But what I read was that basically... um, here it is. It had been reported that the not yet 20 year old Smith is Smith's brash demeanor and braggadocio, despite having to that point an 0 2 major league record, so irritated his Brooklyn Grays teammates that on June 17, 1885, they intentionally misplayed behind him, committing 20 errors, allowing the visiting St. Louis Browns to win 18 5. Um, and then, so basically, they just refused to play well behind him, made errors on purpose. The catcher refused to catch the ball at times. And, uh, And then it says, for the sake of team unity, even though many players were fined, for the sake of team unity, Phenomenal Smith was released. And that was his only game played for the 1885 version of the Dodgers. And he is a phenomenal, obscure former Dodger. What do you think of that one, Vince? (laughs) I don't even know how you would find something like that. 
yeah, you know, uh, I have my ways. I can't reveal all my secrets, but uh, yeah, I thought that was a fun one. That was really good. All right, so we're going to finish off this mailbag from yesterday. Uh, we actually had four questions that were similar, so I'll read all the questions, and then we will kind of have a discussion, and then we'll do a little back and forth on the rest of the questions. So our buddy Alejandro at Alex underscore seven says, is Julio Urias starting role maybe as a fifth starter for him to lose if he's inconsistent? Will Ross Stripling get an opportunity in the starting rotation? Who will pitch the most innings out of the pen? Mayor Gonsolin. Uh, Clippers Nation at Noah Clipper 2 says, is David Price going to be our third starter in the rotation, or are we going to get someone else to be the third starter after Kershaw? Hector at Hector Anthony with an extra Y at the end says, what's the realistic expectation for this year for the team as a whole and our individual stars, Betts, Belly, Kershaw, and Walker, and can we trust our bullpen? And then Miguel Garcia at MIG Solution says, who do you think will come out of spring training with the number five starting pitcher spot? So kind of, you know, there's a couple other things in there, but mostly let's talk a little bit about the starting rotation, Vince. Uh, you have any thoughts that jump out from any of those questions? It's Bueller, Kershaw, one, two, obviously. It would appear that David Price slots in at number three right now. And then, you know, from the one article we, we talked about before, it seems like Julio will get a shot to be in the rotation for the most part. So that sets it at four, which is what we've talked about before. Uh, and then it comes down to that fifth spot. I don't think Alex Wood signs here if he doesn't legitimately think that he had a chance to be a starter. Um, but I also believe, you know, Ross Stripling, in Ross Stripling and what he can do and uh, his job as a starting pitcher. So ultimately, I think it would come down to those two for the number five spot if Julio is in fact slotted into that number four. Um, you know, and just kind of depends how it goes there. And then when it comes to, you know, pitching the most things out of the bullpen, Mayor Gonsolin, I would imagine that they, the Dodgers would want May starting more often than not. So I can see him kind of uh, in the minors to start the season and then just kind of coming up when they need him or building up his, his time in the minors as a starter, whereas Gonsolin might be used more as a guy to a swing guy a spot start here, you know, if they need some length in the in the bullpen at some point, they'll bring him back and forth a little bit more than they would Dustin May. I don't think they want Dustin May moving too much with the thought of him being ready to kind of pitch that back half of the season full-time if they need him. And, you know, in terms of the individual stars, you know, Betts and Bellinger will be fine. Walker Buehler will be fine. Kershaw is maybe at the bottom tier of of a star i mean he's still a star on the dodgers but maybe in in the whole essence of the game not so much a star but uh, kind of like you said earlier i think he's gonna be fine um you know just kind of what he was last year uh, can we trust our bullpen as of right now we can trust them because we haven't seen them um but the bullpen is like every year contingent on guys getting right or guys pitching to how they can pitch you know jansen and kelly and training or, or could be a devastating trio or they could all implode. We don't really know yet. Bruce Dog Gratterall seems to be a little bit more, you know, not of a sure thing, but uh, we know he can pump that. We can pump 101 and he uh, can can sink, have that nasty sinker. So, uh, but yes, the bullpen's like every year, it's going to be volatile. Uh, but what I think overall is that Alex Wood will start the year as a number five starter. 
But Ross Stripling should get there at some point between injuries and or ineffectiveness somewhere. Yeah, there was an interesting article in the Orange County Register by Bill Plunkett uh, on Thursday talking about Alex Wood as a starter. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit from that. It says, this time, though, the 29-year-old Wood was a free agent when he signed with the Dodgers, and he did so only after getting assurances that he was viewed as a starter making him the anticipated fifth starter alongside Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw, David Price, and Julio Orias. Wood says, I love these guys. I love this organization. I've been a team guy for a long time, but at some point you have to consider yourself a little bit. It's your career. What's best for your future and your family? I knew coming in the spot was mine, and I don't think they would have signed me if they weren't confident that I would pitch well. Um, And then there's a quote from Andrew Friedman further down. says, we know what he is capable of. So to the extent that he comes out and looks like what we expect, it's hard to see how he wouldn't be in the starting rotation. In 2018, his stuff wasn't nearly as good as it had been in the past, and he still went out and pitched well, which just speaks to the compete and the ability to process information and pick on hitters' weaknesses, even when the stuff had backed up the way it did. So now we're expecting better stuff coupled with that, and we think he's he's capable of a lot of really good things. So... It's kind of funny that with the Dodgers having nine starting pitchers, potentially, uh, it almost seems like <laughs> unless something really weird happens or uh, there's an injury or two, uh, it seems like the starting five is as set as it could be at this point, uh, which which leaves Stripling and May and Gonsolin and whoever else, uh, you know, Jimmy Nelson, all either in the bullpen or the minors. Obviously, uh May and Gonsolin, they definitely could, if they still consider them stars, they could send them back to AAA to start the season, get their, their starts there, keep an eye out for injury or whatever. Or if they are thinking about limiting innings anyway, they could use them out of the bullpen. They have a lot of options, but it, it does seem to me like the starting rotation is close to being set at this point. All right, Jeff, I'll move on yeah. to your first question for, uh, from Tom at Gallon Don't. He asks, if both Kiebert Ruiz and Will Smith have good years this year, who do you go forward with as a starting catcher in 2021, or do you just keep both? Yeah, um, you know, I guess part part of the answer depends on if you mean Smith having a good year in the big leagues and Kiebert Ruiz having a good year in AAA, or if Kiebert comes up and you know, bumps Barnes off the roster and becomes the the backup catcher. Uh, but either way, uh, it's definitely not the, the worst thing in the world to have uh, two really good catchers sharing time. We saw it with, with Grandal and Barnes in 2017. Uh, they combined to be the best catcher in baseball, probably. Um, you know, with, with both those guys, it is hard to get an equitable split, um, especially with, you know, Cabert's a switch hitter. Smith is a right-handed hitter, and so there's not an obvious, uh, not an obvious platoon there, and you wouldn't necessarily want to go with a, you know, okay, Kabert plays against righties and Smith plays against lefties because that gives Smith a lot fewer plate appearances. But you could do a pretty straight split, just say 350-ish plate appearances each, um, not worrying too much about righty or lefty. And, and just go that way. Um, I do still expect that Cabert Ruiz will still come up in trade talks a lot. We do expect that the Dodgers will be active on the trade market come July once they've identified 
what they need, you know, whether it's starting pitching or if there's an injury they need to fill or whatever. And so I expect that Ruiz will still continue to come up in those trade talks. Don't, I mean, he hasn't been traded yet, even though he's been involved in a lot of trade talks. So I don't know if he ever will get traded, but uh, I definitely don't, I, I don't think they have to trade him because you can find a way. Catcher is such a demanding position. Smith can play other spots in the infield um in a pinch you know so they they could make room for both of them on the roster uh but i i think if i had to guess i would get i still guess that ruiz ends up getting traded before they're really pressed on that point too hard uh all right your first question vince also from tom how do you feel about terrence gore taking the number 27 the number 27 has moved on a lot uh, after the first time Matt Kemp left and this next time Matt Kemp leaves so I don't really feel any way about it uh, you know I like Matt Kemp but I don't feel like there's any glory to the number 27 at this point yeah um, I mean George Lombard had it between the two Matt Kemp <laughs> showing so it's probably okay um, alright Jeff your last question is from Pat at the real PJ Dwyer he asks, who is the Dodgers' fifth bench player after Pollock, Taylor, Kike, and Barnes? It's kind of funny when you put it that way and you realize that, uh, you know, that's that's all that you really have. Um, you know, when you do have the, the platoon with Jock and Pollock, it takes away one of your bench players. So even with the extra roster spot, there's really not that much room. And I feel like it has to be Matt Beatty, you know, especially because all four of those guys you listed are right-handed. And so, you know, having a left-handed hitter, having a, a backup first baseman, which they, you know, they don't really have without without Beatty on the roster. I mean, you could put Bellinger there, uh, but if they've decided Bellinger is the center fielder, you know, you don't want to have him be your backup first baseman. Kike can theoretically play first base, but, you know, uh, it seems like Matt Beatty uh, – has to be the answer, which leaves some other guys, you know, Edwin Rios was up for a while. Obviously Tyler White theoretically wants to make a team somewhere. Um, you know, Terrence Gore <laughs> wants to be on a team somewhere, but I, I feel like it has to be Matt Beatty. Do you think, do you agree with that Vince? Yeah. I mean, realistically, we've kind of been talking Matt Beatty as being the guy this whole time. And especially with that, that 26th man, uh, you know, basically just utilizing him exactly when you need him. Yep. Uh, all right, last question, Vince, from Alejandro at Alex underscore seven. Seager is healthy. What can we expect from him? Yeah, so uh, I think you brought up, or someone brought up the point on Twitter, probably you, that, you know, this is the first time Seager's been fully healthy in a while heading into spring training. Uh, he was sick, what, two or three years ago, and then obviously coming off injury the, the other years, and... I mean, unless he gets sick right now, uh, you know, Corey Seager took a lot of flack uh, for the postseason and, you know, a, deservedly so to a certain extent, maybe a little bit too much. Uh, you know, we uh, we both wanted Francisco Lindor, but we ne didn't necessarily see Seager being out of the equation if they did go after Lindor or, or uh, one of the, you know, elite third basemen or whatever it was. Uh but I mean, Corey Seager's still a good hitter. We we you talked about it the other day. He, you know, he had a career high in doubles last year and not a full season. He was still kind of trying to figure himself out for the most part. 
Uh, I mean, he even said it last year that, you know, he was, you know, it's missing a whole year and then trying to come back and then going through some other couple injuries. It's not easy. Uh, but he's still a good hitter, and he's kind of the guy that, you know, made that that the team roll that last month in September. He had a really hot September in that 6-7 spot, racking up RBIs and doubles. And, you know, it came to the, him a bunch of times in the playoffs. Uh, and we saw him cash off September, didn't cash in October. But, you know, wherever he's at in the lineup, he's going to be good. And, you know, him just being healthy is just the cherry on top of that. So I'm really excited to see Corey Seager again. And, you know, hopefully for him he can – play well in October once the Dodgers get there. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Seager can do this year. Uh, I think that wraps it up. Before we go, I did want to clarify something. I was looking through some of our reviews on iTunes today, and I saw something that I hadn't seen before. Uh, One of our listeners, hopefully you're listening now so I can clarify this, uh, took issue with me uh, saying something about Luis Rivera and then saying, or however you pronounce his name, and was upset that I would be so white as to stumble over a common name like Luis Rivera. And I just want to clarify that, of course, as the rest of you knew, I was talking about Luis Robert, the pitcher for, or the outfielder for the White Sox, the prospect, uh, and it's R-O-B-E-R-T. And I pronounced it with kind of a French pronunciation, Robert, which is how I've heard it pronounced sometimes. I did find a YouTube video of him pronouncing it, Luis Robert. Uh, and the reason he pronounced it on that video was because at a press conference, reporters asked him, how do you pronounce your name? And so I don't think it was uh, super unacceptable of me to not know how to pronounce this name that I've never seen as a last name before. So I'm sorry that you... Uh, misheard what I said and got offended by it. Uh, and I hope that clears that up. Uh, Vince, you have anything to say before we go? No, I'm excited. Spring training games start this weekend. So we'll finally get to see some of these guys in action. Yep. This is our last show of the week. And by the time we are back on Monday, there will be a couple spring training games under our belts. And, uh, I'm excited for it too. Tony Gonsolin starts tomorrow and then Alex Wood starts on Sunday. So, and I think their sports LA is, showing all the games this year i think yeah finally and uh if i remember right spring training games are never blacked out on the mlb app and so you should be able to watch them even if you don't have sportsnet la even if you you live in southern california you should be able to watch these spring training games one way or another so check those out and we will be back on monday to talk about uh the weekend's happenings how those games went And, you know, if there's any news that breaks, we'll talk about that, but probably just be talking about how nice it was to have baseball back on our TV. So uh, thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you have Apple Podcasts, even if if you don't use it, uh, please subscribe there to help other people find us. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, We love your ratings and reviews. If you're upset about the way we pronounced a name, uh, feel free to shoot us an email first to clarify if you don't want to end up looking dumb on iTunes. But, you know... uh, it's your prerogative, whatever you want to do. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm not mad at all of you. Just the one person who called me a racist. Um, but we can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Dodgers. Uh, Vince is on Twitter at Vince Semperio. I'm on Twitter at Snydog. Our email address is LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text anytime you want. The number is 323-863-LOCK-5625. 
man, I keep struggling with that. Uh, and I think that's all the good ways to contact us. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you will be here with us. When you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you Monday. Have a good one. D. I say D-O-D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all hard, all hard and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.